Hey guys, Maria Menunos here. Before your favorite TV after show begins, we want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hmm. This one is oh, this one yeah. is pitched a little lower. Mm, this is very yeah. exciting to me personally. Welcome back once again, <laughs> true believers, to your penultimate ABTV X Files <laughs> season ten after show. Please follow and join in the conversation by following the hashtag hashtag ABTV X Files or by joining us in the live chat. As always, I am Lex Michael, all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here with. Mm-hmm. I am Lucretia Lyon, and if you can spell it, it's L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, and you can find me everywhere, because there's only one. Uh, you can, I'm Frank Moran, and mm-hmm. you can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie, Lex Michael's favorite Twitter handle. I, I do. I'm fascinated by it. <laughs> I am, because I'd never know where to find you if you didn't say it at the top of every episode. <laughs> um, so, this is a, a pretty packed episode of the X-Files that we saw tonight. And it, it has elements as disparate as suicide bombings and terror cells and psilocybin-fueled choreographed hoedowns. So before we dig into the bulk of what happened in tonight's X-Files, I wanted to ask you guys right off the top, in an episode that is so full of what would seem to be wildly disparate moving parts... How did you guys feel about the way that these elements coexisted, played off of each other? Do you think it was handled effectively? Do you think it was a a decent balance? What are your feelings? You know, for me, it's one of those things where uh, we only have six episodes this season. And as much as there are a lot of issues that I had with this particular episode, I mean, then you also balance it out with the fact like, oh, man, we're getting to see David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson play these iconic characters. So it's like, oh, all right, I guess... Some ways, a, a, a bad is, episode of X Files is better than no X Files at all. Sure. I guess. So that's uh, sort of how I feel on that. I just there there were some intriguing elements for the show, and then I felt like it was just their attempts at humor uh, or just trying to play off of that and kind of lighten the mood. I felt like fell very flat to me. Sure, Lucretia. Yeah, my thing is is I mean I liked it as a whole because I was just thinking like. If this had been a regular season or something, this would have been two or three episodes. Like, there was, they just tried to compact so much into one is where I think it fell on a lot of uh, audience. But, yeah, like, as Frank said, I'd rather have this than nothing. I, I, yeah. I would absolutely yeah. agree. Uh, to me, it felt a little bit like other episodes of this, this shortened season have in that it feels a little bit like they are trying to take every single idea they had for these characters since the show ended originally and try and pack it into six hours of TV. Sometimes I think it works exceptionally well, as in the case of episode three, uh, Mulder and Scully meet the Monster, which in my opinion is probably the high mark so far as far as at least striking a tone and holding it consistently or, uh, you know, striking a level and holding it consistently. But it it definitely feels very packed with with Lucretia, as you say, episodes that could have sustained themselves for for their own hour. Uh, I feel like maybe the best way to start unpacking some of these wildly disparate ideas is to just start breaking the episode down from the top because the cold open sets to me a very specific tone that is abandoned pretty quickly as we get into the episode proper, but we see a young Muslim praying, then eating a sandwich, 
because because everybody likes PB and J. Yeah, but mm-hmm. hey, man, he didn't. Uh, that was pretty haphazard jelly spurting on there. That that there was a lot of bread un, uh, unjellied on that sandwich. Agreed. Yeah, and as your last meal, why would you unjelly yeah. the sandwich? Yes. Yeah. But but look, as you yeah. say, it is it is mm-hmm. to be his last meal. Yeah. I cannot fault him for being a bit preoccupied. You know what I mean? Like on a on a different day, yes, that jelly would have been perfectly spread. I think in a in an alternate universe, uh, maybe the Earth Two version of this young Muslim is a champion. <laughs> sandwich spreader. Uh, he leaves his apartment, he's on the road, and he's eyed by what would appear to be some uh, racist Texans. Uh, worth noting, by the way, Lucretia, this is something that I think you'll speak to quite a bit. Uh, this is a Texas-heavy episode. Did it feel like going back home? Um, Actually, no, because I am from the complete opposite region of Texas, and those of us from big states know that it's very far, you know, away, much more like New England is to different states. But, yeah, I'm from the northeast region. But, yeah, the southwest region, they got really wrong. There was way more white people. It is pretty (laughs) much, you know, that's why when uh, Nurse Nugent makes a joke, I was just like... Dude, she's as dumb as Teddy. Like, you're in basically El Paso, where everyone speaks Spanish. It's very largely a Hispanic population. So I was like, way too many white people. Mm, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, we are definitely going to be coming back yeah. to you for your for your uh, Texas-based <laughs> yeah. insights as we as we start moving yeah. further and further into Texan cartoon territory uh, later yes. in the episode. But he he picks up his friend, this young Muslim, and they ride in the car together. They stop. They together say a short prayer. They get out of the car. They walk into an art gallery, which moments later explodes from the inside. People are running out of the building on fire. It is legitimately horrifying. It is. The the visual effects for that scene were like, wow, all right, uh, really nicely done. It was. It was very well done, but it only reinforces how terrifying it is because of how real it potentially feels. Mm -hmm. And we... Not, I don't want to get too stuck on focusing on the real-world implications of some of this stuff, although I suppose up to a point it's a little unavoidable. But this is this is stuff that we hear. We hear versions of things like this going on in our reality. Well, especially the specific story that they start out with uh, in Texas at an art gallery due to um, what some would deem disrespectful uh, Muhammad art. Yes. Which actually happened in Garland, Texas, but again, which is in the north. It's a Dallas suburb, which ironically the cartoon King of the Hill is based on. But yeah, <laughs> luckily this was a stop terrorist plot that yes. didn't go like this. Well, yeah. well yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, as we find out later in the episode, this was a response mm-hmm. to a depiction of Muhammad that was represented in this art gallery. Now, mm-hmm. what makes this an X-File? Well, it turns out, as we see uh, news coverage after the title sequence, witnesses reported hearing ethereal trumpets. And Mulder locks into this immediately because these trumpet sounds are very strangely similar to the ones uh, depicted in the Book of Revelations to signal the coming of the end times. Which I did like that because it's a little nod to Duchovny's earlier career like who's in the, the rapture. In that film, where it's all about you know yeah the four horsemen of the apocalypse come, it's revelations all come to true come to happen. That trumpet sound and everything, and you see what happens when uh, the revelation uh, happens on the earth and the rapture happens. Now I know it's not what you're referring to, but the second you you started making that reference, I just started picturing yeah. scenes from the movie Evolution. Oh yes, <laughs> where he's he's shooting at these weird alien monsters. <laughs> that, by the way, is the end of the world movie. I would love to see is is essentially an X Files movie in which Mulder fights aliens at the end of all times with Sean William Scott. Stifler. Yeah. And, and Orlando Jones. Get, yeah. get Orlando Jones back. Yeah. Um, but so Mulder is citing other examples of this happening from around the world. And of course, Scully's interest, we, her, her religious faith has been pretty well established. But Scully, ever the skeptic, is not as quick to necessarily buy in. She finds it more curious that Mulder seems so taken with this idea. And then there's a knock on the door. And this is where we, we are introduced to our first significant piece of this episode that feels like it should have maybe been its own episode. Definitely. Yeah. We meet agents Miller and Einstein, played by Robbie Amell and Lauren Ambrose. Uh, which I do like at least, uh, and Scully was excited about that. She's saying uh, she's been waiting 23 years to say FBI's <laughs> most unwanted. Which, of course, is yes. uh, the line, uh, Mulder's first line from the original X-Files yeah. pilot. <laughs> which is great, and it's it's a fun nod. It did feel like it was in there largely as a nod, and maybe not, I to me it felt maybe a touch inorganic, but I like it. I like fan service. 
Um, so they meet these two young agents who, for all intents and purposes, seem to be mirror images of Mulder and Scully's younger selves. Yes. And that is used to varying effect throughout the episode, but just casting a broad look at the way Miller and Einstein were used in this hour of TV. How do you guys feel about these characters overall? Because leading up to this episode, and when these six episodes were announced, there was uh, a bit of a slightly bigger deal made about the presence of these two characters than some of the other one-off guest stars. Yeah, well, yeah, and just looking at this episode, certainly, as we know from the previous or next week's episode, they seem to be coming back in that episode as well. But just taking at this as well, I'm like, is there anything in this story that they, were, that they were such a crucial part of that they needed to be in this story? That if you would have taken them out and just had Mulder and, uh, Mulder and Scully doing this, and, and Scully being the one that uh, administered him the placebo, would this story be any different? Uh, and I think it would probably actually be a little bit better just to see their their journey happening together as opposed to separating them for so much of the entire episode. Yeah, because while I like Miller and Einstein, especially being Ravi Amell, and, you know, he didn't die, which was great, um, <laughs> I just felt like we so needed a different episode to bring them in and sort of do this backdoor pilot of if something were to happen, we would have this new Mulder and Scully and that's I got the same feeling from watching the dynamic between these two new characters as well as their dynamic with Mulder and Scully that they do seem to be positioning these characters as a potential pairing for a spinoff which I don't know like how would you guys feel about that because I know for me like I think a lot of people did if if the the ratings for the last couple of seasons of the original series are any indication I think most people like their X-Files to be Mulder and Scully. No and and certainly I'm not going to take something that is so cl- I mean they're pretty much just de-aged carbon copies of sorts of Mulder and Scully. I mean at least when you have Doggett uh, Doggett and Reyes, I mean, they were d- different. They did have different aspects that they were bringing to the party there. I mean, other than just like maybe gender swapping their, their kind of outlooks on stuff. But I still felt like they, were, they weren't Mulder and Scully clones. These ones, I feel like, are following more in those footsteps. Yeah, I do agree that with Doggett and Reyes, they were different characters. Um, but yeah, with this, it's very much the same. And I don't really see them going with that. I think they just kind of open it up just to like get people talking. Because yeah, like you say, Mulder and Scully are why people watch. And I don't know if we can take a note to the producers. Apparently there's some issues with the live feed. Um, people in the chat are saying it's showing telenovela. Oh, so <laughs> I, I, that's a, that's a di- are there aliens on that one? No, I'm should like, I be what? watching <laughs> telenovelas? Are there aliens on that program? Yeah, uh, I'm like hearing this in the chat. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll yeah. let know. And maybe we'll see something in the next episode mm. that'll kind of change my opinion of it. But mm. I didn't feel like I saw anything, at least in this one episode, that made me feel like, yeah, I want to see more of these characters. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree largely because it does feel like they are such a carbon copy of a dynamic that is already familiar with with Miller being very much the young Mulder, the true believer, and Einstein being almost more aggressive a skeptic than Scully was when we first met her. But it's Miller that comes to these agents because he wants to attempt to communicate with the surviving bomber, who is alive, but is brain dead. For all intents and purposes non-communicative this is a you would think conventionally a dead end Miller believes otherwise very much in the same way that Mulder would and eventually does Uh, so they 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 break off and you see Miller and Einstein you get a moment of them alone which I think is interesting too because the point of view of this episode seems to shift around a little bit yeah you get to see a little bit of what their opinion of that especially uh, uh, Einstein's opinion of that uh, relationship between Scully and Mulder and just feel like that Scully was just you know just wasted her life down there she doesn't want to become like her and become relegated down to the basement of the FBI and the only reason that she's staying there is because she's obviously in love with Mulder which makes sense especially you know not since Chris Pine played a young um, Captain James T. Kirk um, have been I so excited for there to be two versions of someone two Mulders (laughs) 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 so at this point Scully calls Agent Miller And Scully says that she has an idea, and this idea could potentially enable Miller to communicate with this brain-dead terrorist. And you really see the connection from the last episode, because she's holding the the quarter 
uh, necklace that uh, that her mother had. So you can see that where where at least where she's coming from. Well, and I really liked that because it's like okay, we at least have some continuation of because yeah, that was a big moment for Scully. Her mom died seeing this necklace. So that to me was definitely one of the better points of the episode to bring that up and feel like it's more like cohesive than some of the choppiness. Well, it does, yeah. and it does feel like much in the way that the original series would, these episodes that are bookended with the big mythology shows, they are essentially one-offs, but there is a thread. There are certain story threads that continue from one episode to the next, so seeing and hearing a couple of callbacks to the previous episode where Scully lost her mother I thought was a nice way to tie these episodes together, Uh but I wanted to ask your feeling about whether or not you felt like it was a, a necessary callback or if it felt like it was there essentially to pay lip service to the idea of continuity. Well, because I wonder, certainly I can understand why where, where Scully was coming from in this episode. Wanted to explore this a little bit further, finding an opportunity missed that she didn't have with her mother. She didn't think of until too late. Uh, but then Mulder's, I don't know if I necessarily agree with his. Like, he feels like this, you know, Mulder's got her own journey right now. And it felt weird that she would, he would not want to include her on this, that he felt like, well, I'll just go with Einstein rather than, than work this out with Scully. Yeah. And so Scully's idea, uh, before we get too far ahead of it, Scully's idea is, of course, as it would be very scientifically based, her idea is to speak to this man and monitor his brain activity with an electroencephalograph. Whereas Mulder's idea is a, to do drugs. It's yeah, yeah. it's a little bit more as as Einstein puts it, woo woo. Yeah. Mulder, of course, responding, "Oh, I don't do woo woo." <laughs> but his idea, and this again is where we open up this box that I think maybe could have been its own episode as well. I don't remember Mulder thinking or speaking in such psychedelic terms ever before. But all of a sudden, he's talking about how through the use of psilocybin mushrooms, we can potentially uh, travel to another plane of existence through which we can communicate with this man who currently exists between life and death. This, while fun, felt like quite a turn to me. Absolutely. I thought it was I, I like, boy, Mulder, you uh, clearly uh, living out there just in the middle of nowhere for some time. You've really let your mind just kind of uh, consider all the possibilities. Well, I mean, where he was living out in the middle of nowhere, I'd imagine he did a few mushroom trips. That's probably how he knows. I mean, that's what you do when you live out in the middle of nowhere. I would know. But, yeah, I mean, and to me, like, the whole scene just, like, you know, this whole episode was each of them trading in the other one for a younger model. And then, yeah, for the, the drug trip, yeah, it just felt like it should have been Scully there with him. And that was my thing is, like, I love the trip. Some of the song choices, I would have gone with other stuff, like um, Country Girl, Shake It For Me, over Honky Tonk, Badonka Tonk, any day. But I so, Oh, man, yeah. Well, let's, like, we need to dig yes. into this trip. But I will say, to, Frank, to, to what you alluded to a minute ago, the reason for Scully not being there, and I agree with both of you, the... Mm. The logic behind separating the two of them mm. seems a little bit. Let's go with uh, let's go with specious, uh, <laughs> just because I like that word. Um, Using but, big words, Lex. but it is uh, Mulder's. Mulder's reasoning is well, I don't want to bring Scully mm. into this because she is still dealing with a loss, mm. and so I'm not going to work in tandem with my partner of twenty some odd years. Yeah, I'm going to go into this lady that clearly does not really respect my point of view or anything that I've been working on for the past 23 years, and try to just at least uh, use that convince her that, that words have weight and have her kind of go over to my side and do something with me. Mulder loves a challenge, but apparently she did too in Mulder's uh, trip. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, certainly if you're going to do this episode where you see them bring in two kind of younger versions of them, then you clearly, which I thought, as I was watching, like, well, of course, we're going to want to split up the pairs and see how they interact with the kind of their opposite number, the younger version of themselves. And it is interesting, and we'll come back around to this, splitting them up does feel reminiscent of a lot of the older mythology episodes in which Mulder and Scully were frequently split up so that they could have the two characters cover more ground and they could cover more plot within the hour. While I do think splitting them in this episode did feel a little strange, by the end it does enable them to have a conversation in which they can discuss what they experienced separately and these two very opposite ideas that they were exposed to. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But in the meantime, oh man, Mulder on, on his trip. Uh, yeah, so... I well, even getting to that before that point, though, because mm -hmm. we, we, we see uh, you know, young Robbie Amell there, uh, mm -hmm. there and with Scully, they're looking at the patient there, and we see uh, two other people from Homeland Security come in, and they're trying to get them to exit the room. Clearly, they want, they're there for retribution. 
Yes. Mm. Uh, this agent who does most of the talking mm. uh, is racist. Mm, yeah. Big time. I think. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. They're just out to get him. And Miller just kind of susses that all out. But it was weird to me because they don't want to leave the room, but yet they say, that, hey, we've called in a bomb threat, so you really should leave the room. And then as much as they know that this patient is probably in danger, uh, Miller and Scully still leave the room, which seems so weird to me. Yeah. Well, when they leave the patient alone, too, that's when the nurse, who is also racist, yeah. and on top of racist... Yeah, Nurse Nugent. I gave her a name. <laughs> yes, Nurse Nugent. And it turns out quite paranoid, uh, attempts, attempts to kill this patient by turning off his life support. Questionable ethics from the hospital staff. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and just listening to her just talk, uh, to, to Einstein about all this, like, oof, all right, sure, okay, whatever. Yes, wanton disregard for the Hippocratic Oath going on at this hospital this particular evening. Yeah. What, one thing I did like before we uh, move on to Mulder's great trip is that that scene there where it's Miller and Scully in the room there, uh, where Miller's just like, yeah, he, he really is invested in this. And Scully's line, I thought, just is something that her experience and her time with Mulder really paid off. It's like, I believe that you believe. Yes. Yeah, that's something that I feel like, you know, uh, uh, Scully at the beginning of their time with Mulder would not have said, but they're all that time and experience with them now makes her re- see that from a different point of view. Well, that is something that I do think they come back to a number of times in this episode is just the willingness to keep an open mind being a significant if not accomplishment, then certainly a significant milestone for any person to arrive at, which I like. I mean, I, I agree with that idea in general. Mulder Strip, though. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he, well, she gives him two capsules and says maybe she should just take one to be on the safe side. But he doubles, he doubles down. Of course, as you figure, you're not going to give somebody two and say only take one and then not. Expect him to take two. Yeah, because with drugs, one plus one equals three. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's the thing is, I just can't believe Mulder believed that those pills were psilocybin. You know, just concentrate. I'm just like uh, Mulder. You should know a little bit more about drugs. I mean, mm. you could have looked up RX list, but maybe he was too trusting of her. This... I just gave way too much info. Don't trust me. I was having a number of mm. similar thoughts as yeah. I was watching. As I was because uh, spoilers for an episode mm. of television we've presumably all seen. Uh, mm. They eventually reveal mm. that this was a placebo. But as I'm watching the episode, I'm going, um, mushrooms don't do this. Uh, I've never ingested mushrooms, mm. or, or so I've never had a trip. But one, it, do, are, would something like that be sir, dispensed in a capsule form like that? Or that already no. out of the gate that's like, no. I don't yeah. think it's impossible. It certainly wouldn't be common. Yeah, psilocybin would be able to, in theory, it would be able to put in a capsule form just like, you know, most substances because it is essentially a poison because it's um, derived from mushrooms uh, out of the ground, which, you know... <laughs> are usually poisonous, especially these who come out of cow manure after it rains. Sure. Um, but, yeah, like, so essentially they could extract the psilocybin and put it in a capsule, but it would be, what would be the point? Yeah. You would have to, you'd yeah. sit there, you'd grind it up, you'd put it in a little capsule, you'd put the capsule yeah. together. You, you could do it. You but, could do it. But, but yeah. yeah. But why? Why <laughs> would you bother? But Mulder's yeah. just going, great. Yeah, sure. Sure. Gave the drugs. That's awesome. <laughs> and it takes all of about 30 seconds from the point where it touches his tongue and he sits down for him to completely wander away. And that's not how it works, folks. This was like some CSI, like super quick, you know, trip here. But yeah, and in the beginning, that's sort of how it is, like the shaky and like, you know, auras. But yeah, once I've never seen the lone gunman. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. get there. I, when this trip started, my I, <laughs> my enthusiasm dimmed in this episode for a while. So why is that? It was just so tonally weird. I mean, I don't know. It just it was so cheesily done. It actually felt like the moment to me, and I just kept on thinking of that of uh, Tobey Maguire. Uh, in his threats in, in Spider-Man 3. Oh, that's like one of the best uh, parts of Spider-Man 3 is ugh. the ridiculous dance sequence. But it is, but yeah. it is wildly incongruous with everything that comes before and after, except yes. maybe the part where Peter and Harry fight in the mansion and there's the wacky music playing under it. That's oh. maybe the only part that feels like it's of a piece. Oh, no, the pie scene. That's good. Oh, you're right. Yes. so good. You're right. Oh, all right, man. all right. But so Mulder wanders down this hallway and he's getting happy, and he's pointing at people. Yeah. He's going, hey. And <laughs> suddenly he's wandering down the street. Yep. And then he finds himself in a country dance bar. 
And this is where we get another radical tone shift. And again, lest we uh, forget that this episode opened with a fairly realistic bombing with people running out of a building on fire. Yeah. And then we have mm-hmm. a really cheesy uh, uh, Mulder line dancing there at Achy Breaky Heart, then doing a weird flip, backflip there. like uh, Lauded, clearly. being mm-hmm. lauded for this choreographed dance sequence in the middle of this episode. Oof. And then, and then we get to the, what really disappointed me most about this episode was just we get uh, a passing flashes of the lone gunman. I mean, and this has been t- talked about for, for months leading up into this. Uh, the lone gunman are going to make an appearance. And you see them even on the Twitter. They're teasing that these guys are going to be in this episode tonight. And so excited. I mean, this, this, I mean, while they're not the, the, the it, biggest characters in the show, they do have a loyal following. In fairness, no. they were in the episode tonight. Yeah, but they're but, like Wonder yeah. Woman and the Batman versus Superman trailers. No lies. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, actually, Wonder Woman got one line in the last one. In the last one, yeah. Which is more than the Lone Gunman got in this episode. Yeah. I felt like this was certainly uh, a waste of all the... Because I think fan expectation was high when you hear that they're going to be in there. To at least get something that they had in the final episode of the series where they at least get a, li- a little bit of a dialogue with Mulder. But for this, it was just... Uh, disappoint- I thought disappointing. And I, I agree. It's not like they're the smoking man, maybe, as far as big, major, significant players on the board. But they were popular enough that the network saw fit to give them their own series at one point. Didn't last very long, but it happened. They have been around since the very first season of the show. We spoke When we talked to Glenn Morgan last week, we spoke a little bit about the genesis of those characters. They've been a big part of the series as long as, nearly as long as there has been and X-Files, and when their show got canceled in a move that felt a little bit like, well, you didn't watch it? Fine, you don't get any lone gunmen anywhere. They were fairly unceremoniously killed off in the ninth season. So knowing that those characters were deceased in the universe, there was a bit of a question of how are they going to make a return appearance? Some people were speculating maybe it'll be a vision of some type. Maybe they will return as some type of ghost or apparition. And I agree, this did feel a little bit, when I say a little bit, I mean quite a bit, mm. underwhelming because they they had nothing to do. I was hoping, me personally, if you were going to bring back the lone gunman for an episode, especially in an episode where Mulder traverses other planes of being, why not have a conversation? Yes, at the very least, just that. Yeah, and that's why I feel like this should have been a different episode, because the lone gunman could have provided him information for, like, some sort of conspiracy in this mushroom trip, which would have been really great, like, perfect. But no, because this is such a dark tone in the story, he, you know, has this crazy cigarette-smoking man, like, you know, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, that's where it's revealed. It's like, no, we wanted the lone gunman to help him. And there is something to be said Mm. for the comedic uh, Mm. impact of, say, Skinner sitting Mm. at the table with the hat and cowboy regalia, and then Mulder's mush and room knuckle rings. Mm. Cute and, and fairly amusing, but when juxtaposed with this lack of use of the lone gunman after Frank like you were saying after such a an ordeal had been made about having them appear at all just felt wonky felt off to me personally yeah and I felt like this this whole trip took so long in the entire episode of like that is a lot of valuable real estate especially for a six episode season it's like, why are we using that much time on this trip to not really I mean it pays off a little bit at the end but I felt like we could have chopped out a little bit more of this this mushroom trip. When there are sections to this trip, the centerpiece maybe being this sequence at this country dance club, but it transitions from there to what looks like a pseudo abduction scenario with yeah. Agent Einstein in mm. dominatrix gear, which there's a there's a whole weird dynamic going on there that is maybe true to the character of Fox Mulder. He is a pervert. He yeah. he is. How did you guys feel about this piece of the trip specifically? Yeah, that just seemed weird. To, it's just like, hey, uh, we also know that uh, Mulder has this issue with the UFOs. So let's just do a quick little check on that super fast, and then we're just going to move on and then you know, get on a barge with the cigarette-smoking man whipping him. Yeah, and then open up to a Fifty Shades of Grey uh, joke later. Like, that was just—it was very quick, and it just almost seemed like— why was it there? I mean, I it, if it was Scully, it would have been really funny. But yeah, I'm like with the new agent, it just seemed creepy. 
Yeah, a little bit. It mm. does, in a way, it does make some yeah. sense to marry yeah. what I think are Mulder's maybe two most pronounced interests, the paranormal and pornography. Mm. But And redheads. And redheads, mm-hmm. sure. But Lucretia, like you say, yeah. it, it does open us up for yeah. this Fifty Shades of Grey joke later. <laughs> and I have in my notes, uh, the actual note mm-hmm. that I have here is Fifty Shades of Bad Line. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like almost like a like, like a, just a little mini scene from Californication that we yeah. just dropped into X-Files and then just get to see him just doing his thing. It does from mm-hmm. there, however, transition to what is my personal favorite section of this trip, if only for how bizarre it is. Yes. It mm-hmm. is so weird. And there's those two wounds that uh, Mulder has on his chest. And so I've and he, re- and he, and he acknowledges those at the end of the episode. Where and I, maybe I miss this, but where do those two wounds pop up from? No clue. Yeah, yeah. because and, even if it was something that happened to him in the trip, he was being whipped from the, the back. back. Yeah, yeah. By the smoking man on this long boat, being rowed by hooded figures, while Tom Waits plays, and they did. They had me at Tom Waits. Yeah, that that was really good. I, I like that song choice. But yeah, to me, the only thing that I could have seen reference with that would be his whipping with Einstein. It was on his chest, so that's why I thought maybe that was where it came from. But mm, possibly, yeah, they, I couldn't tell odd. if they were they were yeah. bruises. They looked a little bit like sores. They could have been really aggressive hickeys, perhaps. The entire crowd really seemed to enjoy his dancing. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he is very handsome. Well, no, no. at least it, it, to his perspective, they seem to enjoy it. At least mm-hmm. uh, Skinner uh, later in the next morning says, "Like you terrified a bunch of old uh, mm-hmm. middle aged ladies." I have some questions about that conversation yeah. that I want to yes. throw at you guys. <laughs> but at the end of this trip. Mulder is on this boat being whipped by the smoking man who is taunting him, and he sees the brain-dead terrorist at the end of the boat in the arms of a woman. And the terrorist whispers some words to him that Mulder doesn't quite get. And right after that, we see another cell of terrorists preparing for a completely separate attack. And then, on the suspenseful note, we go to commercial. When we come back, our agents are convened together, some of them, Scully and Miller, speaking to the terrorist, but... I do want to go to this conversation with Mulder and Skinner because there are a couple of things there that leap out at me. Skinner wakes Mulder up in this hospital bed, uh, basically reprimands him. But there's a line specifically that I fixated on because it seems to be skated right past. And I don't know whether or not I should make more of it than the show does. Skinner says to Mulder that uh, the rodeo's over. You're hanging up your spurs for good. Is Mulder fired? Yeah, I think that's what Mulder thought. And he's like, ah. But it was really funny that Skinner delivered that line with humor. Because we don't usually see the humor side of Skinner. He's always very much the straight man. The, you know, you got to do it by the book. But he was screwing with Mulder. I like that. Well, that's that was my yeah. question. Does it feel like Skinner's yeah. making a joke yeah. based on the content of Mulder's post-trip ravings, <laughs> or did Mulder embarrass himself and the bureau so thoroughly that they have to put him in a deeper basement for a while? Yeah, I don't understand because it would be nice that it just if they would at least mention like the reality of what this trip was like and what Mulder was doing. I mean, other than just what we're other than we know that he terrorized a bunch of middle-aged ladies while line dancing, we really don't know what else would happen. I mean, I guess he was wandering through traffic and people were screeching out of the way. Maybe there are a couple accidents. Who knows? But I felt like we were lacking the the context of what was so crazy about this trip. Well, especially for FBI agents in Texas, as someone who maybe has some personal knowledge on that, that's not even top five on the worst things that could have happened. Oh, absolutely not. If all you do is freak people out by dancing and you're not experienced with this type of thing, I feel like you had an okay time. But we get two important pieces of exposition here in our different conversations, one between Miller and Scully in front of the brain-dead terrorist, where Miller reveals he knows Arabic because he did some work for the Bureau in Iraq. And then in Mulder's hospital room with Skinner and Einstein, Einstein reveals that these were not psilocybin mushrooms I gave you. These were niacin capsules. Mm -hmm. This was a placebo. Which, of course, then raises the question of, well, then how, what, what, what? How did this happen? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the power suggestion. I mean, and it does tie back into what we've been talking about in this episode where Molly kind of Mulder started at the beginning with with Einstein is that the words have weight. And so right there is an example of, you know, you'd say that it is indeed uh, mushrooms that you're tripping on. You, Mulder falls for that, falls for that line and, and goes on a placebo driven uh, little trip for himself. Yeah, and in that context of that conversation they had earlier, it really did make sense to have it be the placebo, but it just didn't seem to me like how Mulder would have been that gullible. Right. But yeah, with, with Sully's reaction to Miller knowing Arabic, it's almost like she was 
impressed with him. I really thought that that was funny. I guess, you know, he's a little young for her, but I think she had a little bit of a, oh, Arabic, eh? You're yeah. smart. <laughs> well, there were, there have been a, there have been a couple of yeah. instances, like in the, in the premiere, Scully yeah. seemed perfectly willing to go on a date with Tad O'Malley. Tad Ooh, O'Malley was Sidebar is alive. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be shocked and good for her, yeah, by the, the way. Trading Mulder in for the younger model. I mean... All right. That's I right. feel like she's earned that yeah. right at this point. <laughs> so the terrorist's mother shows up at the hospital, and Mulder recognizes her as the woman from his little vision quest. And they bring her into the room to speak with her son. And this raises another a number of questions to me as well, but it also ties back into this idea as as we see referenced a number of times in this episode the mother references having spoken to her son in her own visions and her own prayers and while this has an immediate effect on the content of the scene as it plays out i do think this idea and and you frank referenced it a couple of minutes ago this idea of the power of suggestion that is something that came up a number of times in this episode and is maybe the most dominant theme by the time that we get to the end. So before we even move further as far as the content of the plot, I wanted to ask both of you guys, how do you think that was handled as a theme in tonight's episode? And do you think it was dealt with effectively, especially when it had to share time with so many other elements? Well, one thing, I, I, I actually, I, I mean, I thought it was because I felt like it, it was certainly brought up uh, both by Mulder and Scully by mm-hmm. by the end of the episode. So I thought, yeah, they both had their ideas of what uh, the, the, way, uh, the weight that words had in there. So I felt like it, it was a, a theme that carried through this entire episode. If I, I thought, if anything, that was probably like the strongest theme that you could take through this entire episode and help at least uh, certainly a lot of fractured different storylines here and, and adding so many kind of weird chaotic elements into it. At least that theme, I felt like carried it all the way through the episode. So at least... Even as many as disjointed as this episode seemed at times, I felt like that was still enough of a through line that you could hang everything to that. And looking at it after the fact, you, I mean, it, at least you can see what they're trying to get to. But as like Lucretia mm-hmm. was saying, there's just so much in this episode. Yeah, and I think you know the theme was at least consistent throughout the episode. In each of the you know parts that just didn't seem to fit together, they did still have the common theme of words mean something. Just like you know with the Muslim extremists blowing up. I mean, it's the words that you know poison these young boys and then just like you know with scully it's the words that you know she was able to understand from the bomber as well as you know in Mulder's case too so i think it really tied it together and to me the ending is what saved it it was really a good poignant ending with just the two of them yeah and i yeah. asked that when i did because yeah. this entire bit of business with the character of the mother felt to me a little bit like just an extension of the theme rather than a necessary piece of plot. Because if Mulder took a placebo, then the idea might be his mind was open because he was willing for it to be so open that somehow he did make it to this other plane where he was able to receive a message. The mother spoke of receiving similar messages because her mind was open to this idea that she could receive such messages through prayer, through dreams, etc., etc., but after the mother talks to her son, she tries to urge him away from this this path of violence and destruction. The brain-dead terrorist dies. The mother's devastated. But that exchange ends up not being particularly important to the plot at all. No. no, I feel like the only reason that that mother seemed to be in there was just to reinforce that Mulder did indeed have some kind of uh, trip, that he did see something on another plane. And so that kind of led him to think, like, oh, maybe I maybe I, something that I did experience is actually true, and I did make a connection with this young bomber. So that gets him back up into the hospital room where then that he can really see uh, – that this the bomber and then all of a sudden recollect oh my gosh I remember all these words that he said in Arabic and then it connects him with Agent Miller to be able to decipher them yeah and I think it also was there to serve as a, yet another reminder that Scully is a mother and that we are getting to this you know William problem again it's funny they don't really mention his name at sure. all in this episode but you still feel that it's still there with the Scully's talk of her mother this mother and I'm sure it'll be brought up in the next episode that parallel one thing I do want to just uh, mention, because you know, they do this uh, the process with a, the encephalograph there on the young bomber. And as they start it up, uh, they say they have to get a baseline. And so that this is, is going to be a very time-consuming and painstaking process. Sure. But she also mentions I, earlier, it's like, I wish I thought of this when I was with my mother. And I'm thinking, like, your mother wasn't around for very long. I don't know how successful this process would have been with your mother. 
That was well, right. There you go. That was pretty much newsworthy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would I would agree. I mean, I know when I personally do my electroencephalograms, I need an empty Saturday afternoon <laughs> because they are fairly time consuming. Yes. Oh no! It just looked like Lucretia was about to jump in. I was just like, yeah, super time consuming. They just oh, and the space you have to have to do it in the sterile room. God, yeah, you basically need a free day in yeah. a big garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, barring access to hospitals and proper medical yeah. equipment, yes, big garage and, a, mm-hmm. and an empty Saturday. So Mulder remembers the Arabic from his vision quest that escaped him before because, as he himself pointed out he doesn't know arabic so the words meant nothing to him at the time but you would think that it would if he was communicating even if he didn't understand what arabic was the fact that he was getting some words from this young bomber hold on to those words because somebody knows what arabic means sure so, yeah so it's mm-hmm. tell those words to somebody and see if it actually can help solve this case at all yeah well, it, write it down I mean, yes. <laughs> it does seem it does seem a little bit like i don't know arabic is probably not important yeah, <laughs> yeah like he just blew it off <laughs> but he starts to remember the words, yeah. and thankfully, Agent Firestorm did some work with the Bureau <laughs> in Iraq yes. and is able to translate the words as Mulder pieces them together. And the words, the Arabic words in English, mean the Babylon Hotel. And that is where mm-hmm. this terrorist cell is plotting their attack. And we see the terrorists are rounded up, arrested, their plot foiled. Now, this brings us back very much into the the terrorism angle and the reality of it. And we see shortly after that a television screen where the news is talking about the arrest of these terrorists and the foiling of their plot. It really leapt out at me that one of the two TVs on the screen referred to it as the uh, FBI stopping the biggest terror attack (laughs) since 9-11. And I'm going, weren't we just line dancing with Mulder in a mushroom trip a second ago? It seems so weird to all of a sudden then do another 180 and get us back to the tone at the beginning of this episode. Like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, and I think that that's what, you know, most of the blogs were saying about they had an issue with. It's just the quick flip-flop from the fun trip dancing to the, you know, real issue of terrorism and that there really wasn't a supernatural element. So it seemed a little bit inappropriate for a lot of viewers. But to me, I mean, I think the ending, how well that they did it together really change that for me yeah there were a couple of conversations at the end of the episode that did seem to put a point on some of these ideas in a way that i agree i did ultimately find satisfying the first conversation between miller and einstein as they reflect on their experiences on this particular case and they haven't either one of them been swayed from their general way of thinking but they seem to at least in this one instance have come to a middle ground where they can both agree to embrace a certain amount of mystery in this case and also that words absolutely do have weight, even if the weight of those words mm. is to push people to do crazy things. Yeah, I, feel, I certainly feel like of the two of them, I felt like Einstein had her horizons and perspective shifted and broadened more than Miller did. I feel like Miller, you know, basically he leaves out of this episode the same way he came in, open to all these sorts of possibilities. Sure, and then we see Mulder at this country house. Yeah, but uh, and I see with the common theme, guys. You know, like the people who are open and want to believe, they mm-hmm. love to listen to uh, their uh, the iPhones or their earbuds. That's what they like to do. They just like to just chill out, wander open music. spaces, whether it's an airport or a country house. That's right. That I'm I'm actually really fixated on because whose house is this? <laughs> yeah, Mulder's just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. this located somewhere yeah. near the DC area? Yeah, I would maybe. I don't know. Like if if Mulder bought this house himself, where did that money come from? Because I don't think he makes enough to purchase a piece of real estate such as the one we see him at. Mm-hmm. The last place we saw him living was a little uh, cabin in yeah. the forest somewhere. Yeah. If this is may- maybe this is a place like where a like maybe you know. maybe Skinner went, all right, dude, this was really embarrassing. How about this? I'm going to stick you in this very nice country <laughs> estate that my family owns so that you will stop causing problems for a little while. But Mulder is you're really yeah. right. Yeah. Skinner Skinner is uh, part of a big family yeah. of landowners. Uh, so Mulder and Scully have this final conversation where they talk about the case and they reflect on the experience they had separately and what they saw. And Mulder talks about how he saw this idea made real of a place of limitless love. And Scully based on her experiences talking to the really racist, paranoid people, was faced with this idea of limitless hate. 
and how do we reconcile the two? And they speculate that maybe that is the singular question of our time, which I think is a maybe a little putting a bit of too fine a point on it. But but Lucretia, like I, I say, I agree with you. It mm. it does bring all of it back home in a way that seems to work. Yeah, that was my thing is while I agree that if you didn't watch the whole episode, some of the elements may have seemed like way too inappropriate to be together. But yeah, to me at the end when they tie it into, you know, something so, you know, I guess happy ending. I mean, I was almost expecting freaking rainbows after that. I think it saved it. And that's why I think people were a little quick to judge when at the ending, I mean, they sort of brought it all together in appropriate way. How I uh, mm. just I just wonder what what do you think the odds were mm. at that moment though as they're facing each other out there in the field, kind of talking, having that little tender moment that they were going to give a little smooch. I was like, mm-hmm. is it going to happen? I hope not. Please don't do it. And they they restrained themselves. But I was like, if they were teeing it up, that if they had, it would. I mean, to me, I, w- I wouldn't have enjoyed that. But it would have seemed at least it would have fit in tonally with that. Yeah, that would have fit if that happened. But I am kind of glad they didn't do it either, just because. I mean, I mean, Scully's been flirting with the young Mulder, Tad O'Malley. <laughs> I mean, Scully got her groove back. You know, Mulder, Mulder's mountain man needs to step up. <laughs> they did instead of smooching yeah. though, have a brief conversation yeah. about the nature of God, mm-hmm. which was yet yes. another massive idea <laughs> yeah. plugged into the last four minutes of last last two minutes of this episode Mm -hmm. and then they too agree that for the time being that words do have weight the power of suggestion is very very much real it is very much a pervasive swaying force Mulder hears the ethereal trumpets Scully does not I don't understand Mm -hmm. that that, he's just Mulder's that woke Mulder is that woke Frank (laughs) and then we zoom out and we see the entire world and then the episode is over. Yeah, I, but I will. I said I, I. I'm not much of a shipper for Mulder and Scully, but I did just enjoy just the the warm affection and, and bond and deep bond that the two of them have as they're just walking around there outside the house, holding hands, just having this really just uh, deep personal conversation. Agreed. And you feel you do feel the twenty some odd years of history <laughs> yeah. and yes. genuine love, whether romantic or platonic, is ultimately not the most interesting aspect of their relationship. But there is genuine love that exists between the two of them. Well, and they're a true partnership. I think. I mean, there was a poll recently, and several people, including the Flashes, Candace Patton, uh, who plays Iris West, said the best TV, you know, partnership couple for Valentine's Day, Mulder and Scully. Oh, sure. There's so many people just because even when they're not together, which they weren't for the majority of the show and the movies and everything, it's they're a true partnership that's really not been matched, even with like some of the other like Castle, Bones, whatever. They're just not the same. I I agree with you. And we're going to have to wrap in a second. Mm -hmm. Really quickly, guys, I want to get your final thoughts on this episode. And then I want to do a super truncated prediction section because we have only one episode left to go. Mm -hmm. So before we do that, real quick, final thoughts on Babylon. Uh, uh, Real quickly, if I let it was probably my least favorite episode of this season. Interesting. I actually agree. While there was a lot of elements I liked, especially Robbie Amell, um, (laughs) (laughs) and the younger Mulder there, there was just too much going on in this one that I think, you know, half of it should have been in another episode. And, you know, I just want to give it credit because I know that they had a shortened season. Don't be too negative. Sure. I would say, to me, not necessarily a bad episode Mm. of television, Mm. but certainly a bewildering one. Perhaps if only because due to the shortened nature of this season, they had to, maybe not had to, but were inclined to cram so many different concepts into this one episode of television. Chris Carter himself has said, well, this might have been one of the final episodes that I ever got to write with these two characters in there. So I wanted to put an idea in there and make it as prominent as I could without getting too preachy. I think he maybe did that three times in the span of one episode. (laughs) And that's what maybe made it feel a little bit uneven at times. But Mulder line dancing, guys. Yeah, Yeah, the whole trip scene. Mm. So, all right, really quickly, let's move into predictions and talk about what we think may or may not happen in the season finale of The X-Files Season 10. Well, I mean, certainly it looks like we're getting the fact that, uh, at least from the, what the trailer's teasing us, is that everybody, pretty much everybody on planet Earth has some sort of alien DNA in their body. So, 
Uh, curious, we're going to be uh, not just a, necessarily just a uh, planet-wide conspiracy that we've kind of had our perspective change to from the beginning uh, of the se- series this season, but we're going to get more embrace more of this, adding the alien component in at the end of this uh, end, end of this season. Well, and it seemed very Walking Dead that it's actually in all of us, and so I really like that aspect, especially uh, the previous show that Tad O'Malley returns. Tad um, O'Malley lives. Kind of. I feel like this will be a good bookend, and I'm sure we'll see or hear something to do with William. I would assume, and we also see, we definitively saw in the trailer that Einstein makes a return appearance and seems to be in some great distress. We see bits of what I predict will be my favorite scene of the episode in which Mulder confronts the smoking man once again. And I have no idea what else to expect from this episode. But if I had to guess, I would bet folding money that we get a cliffhanger. I do not predict that we will get a firm resolution on this story because there is far too much, in my opinion, far too much ground to cover in 40 minutes with this many moving parts to totally cap it off. No, I feel like we're not going to get a, 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 I I don't think we'll get an ending, but I don't know if we're going to get a cliffhanger. Because, I mean, certainly the ratings, they seem to have been done really well. And I think the response has been really strong. But who knows if they're interested in pursuing this again as another six-episode mo- six, six model next season. Or maybe they want to try to do a movie. I don't know. So I don't know if we'll get, like, a, a cliffhanger. But I don't think we, we won't get the answer, so. Yeah, I definitely agree. It will be a cliffhanger because they know as well as this is done, there will be more. I don't know what capacity, but there will be more. This has been <laughs> yeah, so haunting. Like, yeah. well, there this, will be more. This has been successful enough ratings-wise that Fox certainly must notice. And it does seem like whenever anyone is asked, and maybe they're being diplomatic, but whenever anyone involved is asked if they'd be willing to do more given the opportunity, the answer always seems to be in the resoundingly affirmative. So we'll see. And I think leaving the door open in a potentially egregious way and not giving us a lot of answers might be the way to get people clamoring actively for more. Yeah, I mean, and as Glenn Morgan was saying last week, six episodes, it's like basically shooting a movie. So it's not that tremendous amount of time as opposed to doing 22 to 24 episodes of a season. We'll see. We'll see if the truth is revealed and what that may entail next week. In the meantime, Frank and Lucretia, where can people find you guys on the internet? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. And I I, I just predict that the truth will be teased. It won't be revealed (laughs) next week. Well, of course, you know, I always believe the truth is still out there, but you can follow me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere. And I am Lex Michael, all over social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you guys for joining us again. We will see you next week to talk about the season 10 finale of The X Files. See you then. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 